العالمين والصلاة والسلام على عبد الله ورسوله نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين أما بعد Just picking up from where we left off last time there is a, a something I wanted to mention regarding the name of Allah Azza wa Jal Al-Hakim which I, f- I forgot to mention last time Al-Hakim is a name which affirms two characteristics of Allah Azza wa Jal not just one I think last time we focused primarily upon Al-Hikmah, wisdom that Al-Hakim is the all-wise or the most wise but actually Al-Hakim affirms two separate characteristics for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the first of them as we said before is Al-Hikmah as Allah said Surah Al-Qamar Hikmatun baligha Fama tughni nudur That he has perfect and absolute wisdom But Al-Hakim also affirms something different for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala And that is that Al-Hakim Affirms Al-Hukum Al-Hukum is a difficult word to find the right word for in English in its most comprehensive sense. Al-Hukum, you could say, of course, is ruling, is legislation, but it's uh, it's something more than that. In fact, Al-Hukum is three things with relating or relating to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so judging or ruling or legislating is of three types when it comes to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the first is al-hukum al-kawni al-qadari the first is Allah azza wa jal decreeing in his qadr and his qada determining and deciding who will be given and who will be withheld from who will be rich and who will be poor who will be happy and who will be sad who will be from the people of Jannah and who will be from the people of Jahannam wal-Iyadu Billah This legislation or ruling or judgment belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. Nobody else decides this except Allah azza wa jal. Nobody else legislates this except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Who will be rich, who will be poor, who will be happy, who will be sad, who will be given authority and who will not be given authority all of this is in the hands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and this is the first type and the second one is al-hukum al-dini 
القد الحكم الشرعي الديني the second one is الحكم الشرعي الديني and that is Allah's right to decide or to 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 judge what will be halal and what will be haram what will be halal and what will be haram and what will be part of the religion of Islam and its laws and what will be forbidden in the religion of Islam only Allah Azza wa Jal decides this إِنِ الْحُكْمُ إِلَّا لِلَّهِ أَمَرَ أَنْ لَا تَعْبُدُوا إِلَّا إِيَّهِ Legislation is only for Allah Meaning the legislation here in Islam Because Allah said أَمَرَ أَنْ لَا تَعْبُدُوا إِلَّا إِيَّهِ He commanded you that you only worship Him Therefore deciding in the religion which things are halal and which things are haram and which things will be allowed and which things will not be and which things will be part of Islam and which things will be alien to Islam that is only for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the third is al-hukm al-jaza'i And that is the ruling or the judgment of reward. Who will be rewarded with Jannah and who will be punished with Jahannam? Who will be punished in the grave and who will be saved from that punishment? Who will be given some trial on the day of judgment and then become from the people of Jannah and who will be put immediately into Jahannam? That is the judgment of reward. Of who gets rewarded and who gets punished The judgment of reward and punishment Is only for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala And this is in opposition to what the khawarij said And in these three categories Because the khawarij made this statement absolute In al-hukmu illa lillah that nobody has the right to judge anything in any way or to make any rule for anyone except that they are a mushrik kafir. This is the statement of the khawarij. So they said that when somebody puts a speed limit on the road, Allah is kafir. He is kafir. He made a rule other than what Allah Azza wa Jal revealed. And this is different to what Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah said. And it's different to what Allah said in the Qur'an. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told us about the husband and wife who are arguing. If you fear some dispute between them, make someone to judge from their side and someone to judge from his side and someone to judge from her side. And Allah Azza wa Jal said regarding the hadi or regarding the the punishment for the uh, regarding the punishment for for hunting in ihram. Yahkumu bihi 
Let two people who are just among you rule or judge as to which animal should be offered in sacrifice as a penalty for hunting in ihram. So these are clear examples of when Allah commands us to judge. To make a judgment from ourselves. And no one from the scholars of Islam, Rasikhina fil ilm, the well established in knowledge, said that it is haram for a person to put rules and regulations and you know, by laws and whatever, providing they do not contradict the laws of Islam. Rather, what Ahl Sunnah said is the meaning of in il hukmu illa lillah is in three things. First of all, the judgment of Qadr, what will happen and what will not. Secondly, the judgment of Islam, what will be halal and what will be haram. What will be halal and what will be haram. And thirdly, in the judgment of reward and punishment, who will be rewarded and who will be punished. And that is why when the Khawarij said to Ali ibn Abi Talib, in hukmu illa lillah, judging is only for Allah. They meant by this that Ali was kafir because he judged or he, ha- he agreed to judgment or settlement between himself and Muawiyah radiallahu anhumah. He allowed for two people to judge on their behalf and to come to an agreement, to come to a settlement. They said to him that he had disbelieved, you have left Islam, because judging is only for Allah. He said, كَلِمَةُ حَقٍ أُرِيدَ بِهَا بَاطِلٍ He said, what you have said is true in the sense that judging is only for Allah, but what you intend by it is false. Your intention is false, your, your statement is true. Your statement is true. In a hukm illa lillah. Hukm is only for Allah. But what you intend by it, i.e. making takfir of the Muslims and telling people that it's not allowed for people to come to settlements and it's not allowed for people to make judgments and it's not allowed for people to make rules, then this is something false. So we just wanted to expand on the fact that Al-Hakim affirms Al-Hikmah for Allah, wisdom, and it affirms Al-Hukm, which is judgment or legislation, the right to judge, which is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in those things that we mentioned. The Shaykh goes on, rahimahullah ta'ala, to talk about affirming the knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So he's going to go through a number of attributes of Allah. And the first of them that he begins with is Al-Ilm. Affirming knowledge for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Already we had spoken about the ayah, wa huwa al-alim al-hakim. He is al-alim. The all-knowledgeable, Al-Hakim. And as we've talked about the meaning of Al-Hakim just now. So he began with the second ayah from Surah Saba. 
يعلم ما يلج في الأرض وما يخرج منها وما ينزل من السماء وما يعرج فيها He knows what enters into the earth and what comes out of it and what descends from the heavens and what rises up into them or through them And Allah Azza wa Jal said وَعِنْدَهُ مَفَاتِحُ الْغَيْبِ لَا يَعْلَمُهَا إِلَّا هُوْ وَيَعْلَمُ مَا فِي الْبَرِّ وَالْبَحْرِ وَمَا تَسْقُطُ مِنْ وَرَقَةٍ إِلَّا يَعْلَمُهَا وَلَا حَبَّةٍ فِي ظُلُمَاتِ الْأَرْضِ وَلَا رَطَبٍ وَلَا يَابِسٍ إِلَّا فِي كِتَابٍ مُبِينٍ To Allah belong the keys of the unseen. Nobody knows them except Him. And He knows what is in the land and the sea. And no leaf falls except that he knows it. And no seed in the darkness of the night, nor anything living or anything inanimate except that it is in a clear record. And the statement of Allah Azza No woman carries a child, nor does she give birth to one except by his knowledge. And the statement of Allah Azza wa Jalla: "لتعلموا أن الله على كل شيء قدير وأن الله قد أحاط بكل شيء علما." That you may know that Allah is able to do all things and that Allah has encompassed everything with His knowledge. And the statement of Allah Azza wa Jalla: "إن الله هو الرزاق ذو إن الله هو الرزاق ذو القوة المتين." Perhaps this is out of its uh, out of its place. We spoke about knowledge last time in some detail anyways. We spoke about most of these ayat last time. But the key thing here is that the Shaykh has now began speaking about various attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the first one that he has began with is the knowledge of Allah that encompasses every single thing. And that Knowing that Allah has encompassed everything with his knowledge and knowing Allah through his names and attributes is one of the fundamental purposes behind our creation. This is the most important thing that we take from this part and I think we, we touched upon it in some detail last time. And the statement of Allah Azzawajal and the statement of Allah The Shaykh then begins with the affirmation of hearing and sight for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the first ayah that he mentions regarding affirming hearing and sight is the statement of Allah لَيْسَ كَمِثْلِهِ شَيْءٌ وَهُوَ السَّمِيعُ الْبَصِيرُ And we've spoken about this ayah. We've spoken about this ayah before. And that this ayah negates there being anything similar to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or anything 
which shares the attributes of Allah in the way that it applies to Allah and yet Allah is Samir Al-Samir Al-Basir the one who hears everything and the one who sees everything and then the Shaykh mentioned the second ayah or part of it how excellent is what Allah reminds you of indeed Allah is always Samian Basira hearing everything and seeing everything and we should notice and take note we should take note that knowledge that knowledge and hearing and sight are all attributes which human beings have human beings have knowledge and human beings can hear and human beings can see but the knowledge of human beings is not like the knowledge of Allah and the sight of human beings is not like the sight of Allah and the hearing of human beings is not like the hearing that we affirm for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala those who want more detail or if we want more detail on these names can refer to the um, the very detailed explanation that we do every Friday every other Friday on the names of Allah uh, where we have covered the detailed meaning of As-Sami' and the detailed meaning of Al-Basir uh, we've done these on a, f a recent very very recently on a I think maybe the, the last session that we did on the names of Allah the last two sessions were As-Sami' and Al-Basir so inshallah we can go back to them in that place inshallah the Sheikh then goes on to talk about two attributes which we affirm for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The first is Al-Mashi'a and the second is Al-Irada. Now it's very, very, very important. Or in fact I'm going to put in a third because it comes after that anyway. And it's important that we understand these is a little bit complicated and where a lot of people make mistakes and the third is al-mahabba so i'm using arabic terms for now because as soon as we put them into english we've already classified them and classifying them is half of the problem so we have al-mashia and we have al-irada and we have al-mahabba so if you wish and you're making notes draw two circles that overlap with so that they overlap in half and half so there's a, a bit in the middle which both circles overlap not one inside the other I need two circles that overlap each other so there is a bit outside 
and there's a bit inside. Okay. In one of the outside bits that doesn't overlap with anything, write Mashia. I know I'm not giving you English words right now, but it's any Mashia as in MashaAllah. In the other part of the circle that doesn't overlap, we write mahabba, love. And in the middle, where the two circles overlap, we write irada. I'll give you some rough English words just to help you out. For Mashia, we'll write will. Will. W-I-L-L. Will. For Mahabba, we'll write love. And for irada, we will write want. Now this overlap here is an overlap not to do with what happens, but to do with definitions. This, this diagram that I've given you, I've described to you, is to do with definitions. And this caused the Mu'tazila and the Qadariya and a whole bunch of other people so many problems because they could not understand the differences and the similarities between these three words. Allah affirmed for himself in the Quran al mashia i.e. Masha Allah, what Allah what what Allah. What have I said to you? Did I say to you wills? I want to use the same word, otherwise I will get it. I will use Allah. What Allah wills to happen. Okay. What Allah Azza wa Jal wills to happen. And al-Mashia is that which is related to Qadr. In other words, what Allah Azza wa Jal wills to happen, will happen. And the, probably the best summary of this is the poetry of Imam al-Shafi'i when he said, مَا شِئْتَ كَانَ وَإِنْ لَمْ أَشَأْ وَمَا شِئْتُ إِنْ لَمْ تَشَأْ لَمْ يَكُنْ خَلَقْتَ الْعِبَادَ عَلَى مَا عَلِمْتَ وَفِي الْعِلْمِ يَجْرِي الفتى والمسن على ذا مننت وهذا خذلت وهذا أعنت وذا لم تعن فمنهم شقي ومنهم سعيد ومنهم قبيح ومنهم حسن He said ما شئت كان وإن لم أشاء Whatever you will O Allah will happen even if I don't will it Whatever you will, O Allah, will happen even if I don't will it. Sheikh Abdul Razak al-Badr, 
Hafizahullah, or Shaykh, who we are mostly yani, following his explanation of Al-Aqid Al-Wasatiyah in this class. The Shaykh, he said, I looked at the number of places that Al-Mashi'a comes in the Qur'an and it comes in around 400 ayat. MashaAllah. And we often actually misunderstand the word MashaAllah. We think that MashaAllah is what you say when you just like, you know, like get happy at something. Oh, MashaAllah, MashaAllah. MashaAllah means whatever Allah has willed. Meaning if Allah has willed to give it to me, He will give it to me. If Allah has willed not to give it to me, He will not give it to me. If Allah has willed the person I'm looking at to keep it, He will keep it. If Allah has willed the person I'm looking at that He will not keep it, He will not keep it. If Allah has willed for me good health, He will give me good health. If Allah has willed for me sickness, He will give me sickness. MashaAllah. Ma here, for those of you who are studying Arabic, means alladhi. The only thing that happens is what Allah wills. And not a single breath, not a single movement, not a single action, not a single thought takes place in this universe, in any single place, except that it happens by the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is Al-Mashiach. On the other side, we have Al-Mahabba. Al-Mahabba is what Allah Azza wa Jal loves. And if you wish, you can draw another two circles with the same shape again. Overlapping. And in this one, again, Mashi'a goes in one side and Mahabba goes in the other one. Yani will goes on one side and love goes on the other side. And will and love this time go in the middle. So another two circles. On one side will, on one side love, and in the middle will plus love. And this one is not relating to definition, this one is relating to Qadr. This one is relating to the divine decree. So we try and explain again. When we talk about the love of Allah does Allah love anything evil? Clearly not. Allah only loves that which is good. Allah is not happy for his servants. He does not, is not content for his servants to disbelieve. Look in the world. The majority of them are disbelievers. The majority of Bani Adam are not Muslim. That means that in terms of Qadr, what Allah loves sometimes happens and sometimes doesn't happen. What Allah loves sometimes happens and sometimes doesn't happen. Okay, when does 
what Allah loves happen when will and love come together. When will and love come together, then what Allah loves happens. When will is on its own, then something happens that Allah does not love. When love is on its own, there is something that Allah loves that does not happen. So let's give a simple example of each one. The Iman of Abu Bakr. The Iman of Abu Bakr. Does Allah love Iman? Yes. Okay, so we tick the box for love. Did Abu Bakr have Iman? Yes. Therefore, this is an example in the middle category of something where Allah Azza wa Jal loves it and wills it to happen. Something where Allah Azza wa Jal loves it and wills it to happen. Okay. The Iman of Abu Jahl. The Iman of Abu Jahl. Where are we going to put this one? We have to put this one in the category of love but not will. Because it didn't happen. Allah loves Iman. But Abu Jahl did not believe. Therefore this is an example of something that Allah loved to happen but did not will to happen. The disbelief of Abu Jahl. The disbelief of Abu Jahl. Did Allah love it to happen? No. Allah did not love it to happen. Did it Allah will it to happen? Yes. Therefore, this goes in the category of will but not love. So if you drew that diagram, you have love and you have will and you have love and will. Underneath will, you have the disbelief of Abu Jahl. Underneath love, you have the belief of Abu Jahl. And underneath love and will, you have the belief or the iman of Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiallahu The burning question that this leads to is why would Allah Azza wa Jal will something that he doesn't love? And why is it not the case that the two circles are directly on top of each other? Why is it not the case that Allah Azza wa Jal wills everything that he loves and loves everything that he wills? And the answer to that is Al-Hikmah wal-Adl. Wisdom and justice. Allah Azza wa loves all of us to believe. Would you be content for Abu Lahab to be next to you in Jannah? Would that be fair? And after he disbelieved in the Prophet and said, Tabban lak, and may you perish 
would you be content for him to be your neighbor in Jannah? Would you say that's fair? Would you say it's fair for the person who spends their whole life disobeying Allah and disbelieving in Allah Azza wa Jal to be given the same place as the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam in Jannah? La Allah. So Allah Azza wa Jal from His perfect wisdom has chosen that there will be things that He loves that He will not will. And things that He wills that he will not love. But Allah does not will anything for evil's sake. And Allah does not will anything for no reason. There is nothing. The disbelief of Abu Jahl has perfect justice and wisdom. It's not like Allah just randomly decided, okay, he's going to believe and he's going to disbelieve. No. He knew what was in the heart of Abu Bakr and his qadr was true and just and wise to what was in his heart. And he knew what was in the heart of Abu Jahl and his qadr, the qadr of Allah was just and true to the circumstance in that case. But you must distinguish because if you don't, you will end up either from the Qadariyah or the Mu'tazila or one of the other groups who ended up leaving Islam because of this. Or, or this was one of the issues why they left Islam. Because they could not get this into their head. It is really not that difficult. There are things that Allah loves and things that Allah wills. Sometimes there's an overlap. It's that simple. There are things Allah loves, there are things Allah wills, and sometimes there's an overlap. Allah loves nothing but good. Allah does not love kufr. Allah does not love... Disobedience. Allah does not love... Fisk. Defiance. Allah does not love... People to follow the shaitan. Allah loves iman and good deeds. But Allah wills whatever He wants. MashaAllah. Including things He doesn't love. For a wisdom that is with Him, subhanahu wa ta'ala, and justice. For a wisdom and and uh, for a wisdom that is with him and justice. Back to the original two circles, which is the definition. We are now left with al irada. So we defined what love is, and we defined what mashia or will is. But we're left with al irada. And where people went wrong when it came to irada or want is they understood it to either be one of the other two. And actually, sometimes al-irada means will, and sometimes al-irada means love. 
For example, I give an example in English. If I say to you, Allah wanted, I'm going to use the word want, Allah wanted Abu Jahl to disbelieve. In this case, I'm speaking about which category? Will. Not love. Okay. Allah wants all of us to believe. Now I'm speaking about love. So the word will only means will. And if you want to know what is from the will of Allah, everything that happens is from the will of Allah. And love is only good things, whether it happens or not. As for want, irada, want, want can be this or it can be that. And that's why people get confused, especially the Mu'tazila. Because they read want to mean one of those two. And so they got themselves confused by saying that want always means love. Or want always means the decree, any will. But actually, want can sometimes mean love and sometimes mean will. Exactly as I said to you. Allah wanted Abu Jahl to disbelieve. Allah wanted Abu Jahl to disbelieve. I.e. Allah willed Abu Jahl to disbelieve. Allah wants us all to believe meaning Allah loves us all to believe and so want can be here or there and hopefully this will be further explained as we go into the ayat Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said walawla id dakhalta jannataka qulta ma sha Allah la quwwata illa billah if only when you entered your garden I, this is the statement of the people of the two gar- of the, the two people of the, the people of the two gardens in Surah Al Kaf. If only when you entered your garden you said, Masha Allah. And you did not say this is from myself. You did not say that this will abada. I don't think this will ever ever leave me. But you said this came Masha Allah. And this as long as Allah wills to give it to me, He will give it to me. And when Allah wills to take it away from me, He will take it away from me. Because this is the will of Allah. He gives to whoever He wants and He takes from whoever He wants. There is no power for the servant to achieve anything except by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala except from with the decree of Allah azza wa jal with the mashia of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and uh, the scholars take from this ayah that masha Allah is the preferred way of removing what's the word self-contentment and for the evil eye, it's better that you say Allahumma barik or Allahumma barik lahu or, or barak Allahu fihi or something. But for removing self, being impressed with yourself or being impressed with others, al-ujub. 
when you feel like just impressed with something, like you look and just think, you know, like you feel impressed with yourself, like oh, look at how much knowledge, look at how strong, look at how healthy, look at how rich. You say, MashaAllah, whatever came to me, it came to me by the will of Allah. Whatever goes away from me will go away from me by the will of Allah. And there's no doubt that believing in the Mashiach of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, as we said, it's about 400 times mentioned in the Quran, is something so important. The Quran doesn't repeat, Allah in the Quran does not repeat anything that is not important. It's so important because it changes your whole life, your whole perspective on life. Whether it is running after, you know, like people, whether it is people running after wealth and status, whether it is people crying over the deal, the business deal that they lost, whether it is people, you know, running after children or worrying why they don't have any children or, you know, so on and so forth, all of these different things. See, the reality is that just by saying, MashaAllah, you can change your whole life. Because you realize that this word, MashaAllah, affirms that whatever happens to you was never going to miss you. And whatever missed you was never ever going to happen to you. This is in the hands of Allah And it puts you into a state where you're desperately in need of Allah. And that's the essence of worship. Worship in its essence is lowering yourself and humbling yourself and submitting yourself before Allah. When you say MashaAllah, you demonstrate that you know your need for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That I, I need Allah so much. Because I have an intention that today I'm going to complete X, Y, Z. And today I'm going to complete such and such and such and such and such and such. But wallah, if Allah doesn't will it to happen, I will not be able to complete even one part of that. How many people set out from their house to do a job, to go on a road, and they end up taking the other road and going on another thing? Sometimes for what is better for them and sometimes, subhanAllah, for what is going to bring them the anger of Allah You need Allah in everything that you do. Look at what happened to Qarun when he said, indi." I was only given this wealth because of how knowledgeable I am in myself. Allah swallowed up or caused the earth to swallow him up. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala caused the earth to swallow him up. What happened to the person in the garden when he said, I never think this garden will ever leave me. It's, you know, my own, look at how excellent I am. Allah destroyed his garden. So mashaAllah is essential for you to fulfill your ibadat and essential for you to be able to fulfill your uh, 
uh, your needs uh, and your, your hopes and your dreams in the dunya. And it's a word of success, honestly. It's a word of success. It's a word of, you know, subhanAllah, it's one of the Islamic keys to success in the dunya. You know, achieving your aims. You all have aims in the dunya. None of us have no aims in the dunya. Yani we have aims, whether it's some business, whether it's some education, whether it's, you know, family or children. You have some, we have some aims, we have some desires. And when we understand the meaning of the Mashiach of Allah, MashaAllah, then it's by that that we can achieve those desires, inshaAllah. By realizing that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one that controls this. So how many of us go running around and from <laughs> from one side of the earth to the other side of the earth to fulfill something that if we came for Salatul Fajr and asked Allah for it, He would have given it to us. And that doesn't mean that you don't run out and do things. You have to go and do stuff. You have to do Al-Fi'l Bil-Asbab. But there are two errors when it comes to At-Tawakkul. One, and this is the most common, or one, maybe, I don't know whether it's the most common, but there, one, of the, one of them is for people to say, I'm just doing everything I can. You say to him, Habib, why are you not in the masjid? He says, well, my, my job is really tough at the moment. I'm struggling with my job. You know, like, hey, I'm going to work really hard. I need a promotion. My boss doesn't give me time off work. This person has forgotten Allah and attached themselves completely to worldly asbab, causes of things to happen. And then you get the one who is al-mutawakil. And he has tawakul and not tawakkul. And he sat at home saying, and he, it's all right, I'm making dua. When Allah wills, he will give me a job. But we do neither this nor that. We go out and do the reasons that, that, that achieve us what we want, but we realize, mashallah, it will only happen by the Mashiach of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It will only happen by the decree of Allah, by the will of Allah, with the help of Allah. There is no ability for any of us, wallahi, no ability to move, no ability to get Jannah, no ability to get saved from Jahannam, except by the help of Allah Azza wa Jal, except by seeking help. And bi isti'ana, bi isti'anatin billahi subhanahu wa ta'ala, by seeking help from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the second ayah the Shaykh mentioned, وَلَوْ شَاءَ اللَّهُ مَقْتَتَلُوا وَلَكِنَّ اللَّهَ يَفْعَلُوا مَا يُرِيدُ And this ayah, is a refutation of the Mu'tazila and the Qadariyyah who said that when we do sins they said when we do sins Allah willed for us not to do them and we did them anyway Ta'ala Allah amma yaqulun uluwan kabira and in reality, they made other gods besides Allah. They made every human being a god besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When they said that Allah azza wa jal willed and decreed for you not to sin, and then you willed and decreed to sin, so your will and decree overcame the will and decree of Allah azza wa jal. Ta'ala Allah amma yaqulun. High is Allah above what they say. What an evil thing to say about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
But what did Allah say? And if Allah had willed, they would not have fought each other. And if Allah had willed, they would not have fought each other. Fighting each other. Is that an action of Allah or an action of the servants? It's an action of the servants. If it's an action of the servants, then Allah just said that no action of the servant happens except by the will of Allah. You decided you have a mashia, you have a, a will. Liman sha'a minkum an yastaqim. For the one of you who wants to stand straight and you try to, you have a desire, you want to fight. But if Allah doesn't will, you will not fight. And if Allah wills, you will fight. So you realize that whatever decision you make, you need Allah to help you to fulfill the good and to keep you away from the bad. And if it were not for the decree of Allah, or for the will of Allah, they would not have fought. But Allah does what He wants. Okay. Allah does what He wants. Everyone give themselves a quick mental test. Want here. Does it mean will or love? Don't answer. Just keep it in your head. Give yourself 10 seconds to think about it. And if Allah had willed, they would not have fought one another. But Allah does what He wants. Have a think about it. If you got it right, it should be that want here refers to will. Because Allah is not talking about what He loves. Does Allah love for Ahlul Kitab to fight each other and break up into sects and groups? No, Allah does not love you to break up into sects and groups. But Allah decreed for it to happen. He willed for it to happen. So Al-Irada here means Al-Mashia. In the next ayah, the Shaykh mentioned, "Uhillat lakum bahimatul an'ami illa ma yutla alaykum ghayra muhill al-sayd wa antum hurum inna Allah yahkum ma yurid." We've covered this ayah in Surah Al-Maidah in our Tafsir class, but just at the end, indeed Allah legislates what He wants. Okay, another test. I'll give you five seconds, ten seconds to think about it. Allah legislate. Allah mentioned the halal and the haram. And then Allah said, He legislates what He wants. So tell me now, this, this want, is it what Allah wills or what Allah loves? If you got this right, this one is what Allah loves. Because it's speaking about what Allah Azza wa Jal, the worship that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decreed for you. Will everybody refrain from eating pigs? Will everybody refrain from killing animals in ihram? Or killing hunting animals in ihram? No. Not everybody will refrain from doing so. However, Allah Azza wa Jal has made some things halal for you that He loves. Inna Allah yahkumu. Ma yurid Allah legislates for you that which He loves. Any want here means what He loves, not what He has decreed. And yet Allah does not legislate something for you in Islam that is evil. And this ayah is a proof that Allah does not legislate something for you in Islam that is evil, not even out of His decree. 
And everything in Islam is beautiful and pure and good. And everything in Islam, Allah loves it. Allah said in the next ayah the Shaykh mentioned, فَمَنْ يُرِدِ اللَّهُ أَنْ يَهْدِيَهُ يَشْرَحْ صَدَرَهُ لِلْإِسْلَامِ وَمَنْ يُرِدَ أَنْ يُضِلَّهُ يَجْعَلْ صَدَرَهُ طَيِّقًا حَرَجًا كَأَنَّمَا يَصَعَّدُ فِي السَّمَاءِ Whoever Allah wants to guide, he opens his chest to Islam. In shirah al-sadr, I find it to be one of the most beautiful expressions in Arabic, but it's difficult to explain in English. But I guess perhaps uh, the best way is to explain the opposite, which is to, to feel like pressure on your chest. When you feel pressure on your chest, like you just can't do anything and you feel like somebody is squeezing you, like you just feel like pressured and you can't breathe properly or you, you, can't, you can't relax. The opposite of that is inshirah al-sadr. And for you just to feel like, okay, I can breathe, I feel good. That's what Allah does. He opens up your chest to accept Islam. To make Islam feel beautiful. How many people? Wallah, I get emails from people. They're saying to me, I find Islam so hard. I find Islam like crushing me from the inside. I can't do it. I, I can't do it. I want to leave or whatever. SubhanAllah, people in this situation. But the one who Allah has blessed, and it's only a blessing from Allah, mashaAllah. That Allah has made Islam easy for you. He's made inshirah al-sadr. And he's made your chest expansive, open. And you feel like Islam is something easy, something doable, something enjoyable, something and that gives you, it doesn't feel like a pressure on you. And whoever he wants to misguide, he makes his chest he makes it constricted. Harajan, and he's like in a state of, of haraj, he's in a state of, you know, a state of discomfort, a state of hardship. As if he was being propelled through the sky. And this is one of the, and subhanallah, one of the miracles of the Quran in the description. Because I mean, how anyone can know what it, is, what it is to be propelled through the sky at the time the Qur'an was revealed except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the, the force, and the, like, like Allah describes it, like the G-force that crushes the body of the, you know, the pilot that is going extremely fast or the astronaut that is going extremely fast. As he's being pushed up through the heavens, the force that is crushing the body, that's what Allah describes the uh, the example of the chest of the person that Allah has closed their chest to Islam. As though the force of the atmosphere, as though the force of ascending through the atmosphere was crushing their chest. Okay, the irada here, what Allah wants. Is it what Allah wills or what Allah loves? Whoever Allah wants to guide, he opens his chest to Islam and whoever Allah wants to misguide he makes his chest constricted and full of discomfort 
until as though he was being propelled through the sky. This is what Allah wills. Because as for what Allah loves, He loves for everyone's heart to be open to Islam. He loves for everyone's chest to be open to Islam. But Allah has only willed it for some of His servants out of wisdom and out of justice. Um, the Shaykh then continues to talk about the love of Allah uh, because the Shaykh is bringing the three together. And as we said, Definition-wise, Mashia has a clear definition. That is what Allah wills. And that is what happens. And if what Allah wills is very simply what happens. And what Allah loves has a very clear definition. Everything that Allah has told us in the Qur'an that is good, or everything that Allah has told us, that he loves or anything in the sunnah that the Prophet ﷺ loved or anything in the sunnah the Prophet ﷺ told us that Allah loves all of that is what Allah loves and this irada as we said is in the middle it sometimes means this and it sometimes means that and in terms of qadr the two may come together or the two may come separately and it may be the case that neither of them come Neither love nor will. So what would be the scenario we did Abu Bakr and Abu Jahl? What would be the scenario that neither of them come? The kufr of Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiallahu ta'ala anhu arda. Because Allah did not like it to happen and Allah did, not, Allah did not love it to happen and Allah did not will it to happen. So this is an example of something which is neither will nor love. Yani Allah did not will it and Allah did not love it. Walillahi alhamd. So the Shaykh goes on to talk about the love of Allah. Notice that Mashia and Irada, that is will and want and love are also all attributes that human beings have. We have a will. Allah said, لِمَنْ شَاءَ مِنْكُمْ أَيَّسْتَقِيمُ For the one of you that wills to be an upright Muslim. And we have a want. We can want things. I want this to happen. I want that to happen. But only Allah Azza wa Jal is لِمَا Everything that He wills to happen, happens. As for us, sometimes it happens and sometimes it doesn't. So we noted again that the Shaykh is continuing to mention attributes and names of Allah Azza wa Jal that are also attributes that belong to creation but in a different way to the way that they belong to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and this just affirms for you the correctness of what Ahlul Sunnah believe regarding uh, the proper way to understand these attributes because once you start denying them like what you have left of Allah's names 
you don't have knowledge, you don't have hearing, you don't have sight, you don't have will, you don't have decree, you don't have judgment, you don't have love, you don't have anything, you don't have speech. And that is why and he sometimes and he, some of them said that the essence of all these people who like whittle away the the names of Allah is that all of them really return to the Jahmiyyah, to the deniers of the names of Allah. Because ultimately, if I told you I'm going to describe to you a date palm tree, it has no trunk, it has no fruit, no branches, no leaves, no root, no sap, no palm fiber. It doesn't exist. And that is how the Jahmiya described Allah They described Allah in the negative. Allah is the one who doesn't hear and doesn't see and doesn't know and doesn't speak and doesn't rise and doesn't love and doesn't want and doesn't will. Okay, what is left? What does Allah do then? They answer, nothing. So effectively, this is atheism, and that is why the, the madhab of the Jahmiyyah ultimately is atheism. Because what you're left with is you're left with a God that is nothing and does nothing. Because they don't even attribute, and there's nothing left they can attribute to him. For the simple reason that every, almost every one of these attributes in some way has some resemblance to creation. In its meaning. But of course the way that it applies to Allah is unique to him subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's why whichever road you go down, it's like following one of those maze diagrams. And you'll end up at a dead end. You will never end up with anything that works except to say Allah hears and sees and loves and wills and decrees in a way that is different to his creation. And that way you will reach your goal. You will reach a place where you are comfortable with the names and attributes of Allah. And you can see why, we, as we said, so many of them end up as mufawwidah. I mean, they end up just saying Allahu A'lam. Because once you go down that road, you're telling me, okay, you're telling me Allah doesn't see because human beings see. Okay, does Allah know? He says, yeah, Allah knows. Okay, but human beings also have knowledge. He says, okay, Allah doesn't know. Allah doesn't know anything? No. Allahu alam. Allah knows best. <laughs> and he, Allah knows best after you said all of that. Then you say Allah knows best after you can't. And he, subhanallah, you see how the people became confused. And what confused them? Nothing other than Aristotle. And Aristotle and Greek philosophy and, you know, they got themselves so mixed up instead of just simply saying, look, many of the names of Allah have some parallels in his creation. But they don't apply to Allah the same way that they apply to his creation because Allah said, There is nothing that is like him. And that's simple. When you do that, you have inshirah as-sadr, your chest feels light. You don't have any problem. You believe in all the names and attributes. 
you read the Quran, you benefit from it, you understand it, you make dua to Allah, you appreciate the names and attributes of Allah, and everything is fine. But as soon as you start taking Aristotle as your religious guide and leaving our Messenger Muhammad وسلم, then what you expect will be the outcome. So the Shaykh he began to affirm the love of Allah and the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is mentioned in many, 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 many places in the Quran. Allah said, and have ihsan. Have ihsan. And ihsan be, uh, it has many meanings. Another word I find very hard to translate. Uh, because ihsan can mean to strive for excellence. Ihsan can mean to do voluntary deeds. Ihsan can mean to exceed people's expectations. Indeed, Allah loves those who are al-muhsineen. Allah loves the muhsinun, the people who have ihsan, the people who do extra, the people who do voluntary deeds, the people who reach the highest level of iman. And Allah Azza wa Jal said, وَأَقْصِتُوا إِنَّ اللَّهَ يُحِبُّ الْمُقْصِطِينَ And be just. Indeed, Allah Azza wa Jal loves those who are just. And Allah Azza wa Jal said, فَمَا اسْتَقَامُوا لَكُمْ فَاسْتَقِيمُوا لَهُمْ إِنَّ اللَّهَ يُحِبُّ الْمُتَّقِينَ As long as they fulfill their side of the agreement, then fulfill yours. Indeed, Allah loves al-muttaqeen, the people of taqwa, the people who strive to protect themselves from Allah's punishment. And Allah said, إِنَّ اللَّهَ يُحِبُّ التَّوَّابِينَ وَيُحِبُّ الْمُتَطَحِّرِينَ Indeed, Allah loves those who frequently repent and Allah loves those who purify themselves. And Allah said, قُلْ إِن كُنْتُمْ تُحِبُّونَ اللَّهَ فَاتَّبِعُونِي يُحْبِبْكُمُ اللَّهَ Say, if you really love Allah, then follow me. I follow the Prophet Allah will love you. And Allah said, فَسَوْفَ يَأْتِ اللَّهُ بِقَوْمِ يُحِبُّ فَسَوْفَ يَأْتِ اللَّهُ بِقَوْمِ يُحِبُّهُمْ وَيُحِبُّونَهُ Allah will bring about a people, He will love them, and they will love Him. And Allah said, إِنَّ اللَّهَ يُحِبُّ الَّذِينَ يُقَاتِلُونَ فِي سَبِيلِهِ صَفَّةً كَأَنَّهُمْ بُنْيَانٌ مَرْصُوصٌ Indeed, Allah loves those people who fight uh, in His way in ranks, as though that they were a single reinforced building. And Allah said, وَهُوَ الْغَفُورُ الْوَدُودِ He is Al-Ghafoor. The oft forgiving and al wadud, the all loving. With regard to the love of Allah جل, we've already uh, covered uh, a great deal of that in the previous discussion. 
But it's important to note here, at least I always think it's important to talk about the role of the, uh, or the, the position of the Christians. The Christians said, effectively, Allah is nothing but, Allah is nothing but love. Meaning that they affirmed no attribute for Allah Azza wa Jal other than love. Which is in itself very strange because they're not very good with uh, attributing forgiveness to Allah Azza wa Jal. Since that they claim that Allah Azza wa Jal and he punished mankind and he for several and hundred generations and he because of eating an apple from a tree. So no doubt yani, they, 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 don't, they're not, they don't affirm forgiveness properly for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But one thing they're always telling you is God is love. How do we answer this question when a Christian says to you, God is love? We say, Al-Wadud, the loving, is one of the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah Azza wa Jal loves. However, there are two restraints that we have to put on that statement. The first is, Allah only loves that which is good. Did Allah Azza wa Jal say, Inna Allah yuhibbul kafirin? Allah loves the kafirin? No. Did Allah say that he loves the fasiqeen? No. Did Allah say that he loves the adalin, the misguided? No. Allah said he loves the muhsineen, the muttaqeen. At-tawabeen, al-mutatahhireen, those people who purify themselves, those people who make regular tawbah, those people who turn to Allah, those people, I mean, those are who Allah Azza wa Jal loves. So as for saying that Allah Azza wa Jal loves the disbeliever and the fasiq, then this is something that was invented by Ahl Kitab, by the Christians. Yani they did not have any dalil for this, that Allah Azza wa Jal loves the the kafir and that Allah Azza wa Jal loves the mushrik and so on. And the love of Allah is in levels. There is no doubt that يعني, the love of Allah is not the same for every Muslim. يعني, Allah's love of the Prophet وسلم, is not the same as Allah's love for you and I. It's not the same. And Allah Azza wa Jal loves you according to how much of what you do that He loves. Say if you really love Allah, then follow me and Allah will love you. And Allah loves you according to the amount that you follow the Prophet and His guidance. And the second thing is, Love is not the only, if someone has, if, if God were to have only the attribute of love, this would not be a perfect God. This would be an imperfect God. Because along comes the murderer and the, you know, the, the person who kidnaps children and, you know, like the, the slave driver and all of these people and just God just loves them all the same, man. Like in Christianity, they'll just be right next to Jesus, you know, like 
You know, the guy who uh, supposedly killed him and him will just be right next to each other because God loves everybody. That's not perfection. Perfection is that God should be infinitely powerful, capable of severe punishment and loving. So he loves those who deserve to be loved and he punishes those who deserve to be punished. And he forgives many, many, many things that deserve to be punished. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this is how I tend to reply to the Christians when they will say, you know, and many times I have had the experience where Christians will say, the reason I don't become Muslim is because I don't feel the love of God in Islam. Meaning, Islam tells me there's things I can't do. The translation of that means, Islam tells me there's things I can't do. You know, I don't feel that, you, you ha I don't feel that God loves me. Say, do what God wants you to do to love Him and He will love you. And it also shows us that the love of Allah is within the capability of every Muslim to achieve with the help of Allah. And nobody ever should say, you know, like we have this mentality of, you know, these are the awliya of Allah, you know, like these are the beloved of Allah. And we are just, you know, like, I'm just designed to be, you know, created to be just, you know, the disobedient one who gets punished in Jahannam. That's the wrong attitude to have. They did not judge Allah or, or they did not give Allah his just estimation. Allah Azza wa Jal is al-wadud. Allah loves. And Allah, want, Allah loves to love you and wants to love you. But you have to do what will bring about the love of Allah And the more you follow the sunnah of the messenger of Allah وسلم, the more Allah will love you. And so this is within the ability of every Muslim. And every Muslim has a share of the love of Allah. I mean, every Muslim who remains in Islam has a share of the love of Allah but according to the degree that they follow the sunnah of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. I think we'll, uh, we'll stop there inshallah for some questions. Um, I'm told inshallah ta'ala that uh, there are some important announcements so please do wait for them and Abu Mus'ab is apparently coming inshallah to... Uh, give a short uh, reminder to you guys uh, in about 10 to 15 minutes so we'll just do Q&A until then uh, first of all Friday night reflections tonight will be cancelled that is because of the back on track seminar that is taking place today uh, it finishes at probably 9 o'clock in Al Barsha so for us to get back here for Friday night reflections is not practical you know. Uh, today, inshallah, there will be a unique seminar for teenagers. The reason it's unique is because it's been designed and run by teenagers. So what we did is we had a session, uh, we had a series of sessions called Back on Track. And basically, we took young people and we gave them about a 12-week course. And at the end of it, we set them a challenge to organize their own seminar 
with their own themes, their own activities, their choice of speakers, their, they did the budgeting, everything. And it was done by the young kids, uh, the young guys. So these uh, young guys have uh, basically come up with a seminar today. Uh, it's, uh, it's a back on track uh, seminar and it's going to have, it's designed for teenagers. You can find more information on Kalima's website, Facebook, etc. Uh, inshallah, it's free for anyone who wants to come. Um, and there's going to be activities. I think there's going to be all sorts of like uh, sp sporty type things and uh, games and team building and whatever. And there's also going to be lectures, inshallah. I believe registration starts around about 2.45. It might be 2.30. Check the, uh, the, the Facebook for more details. And inshallah, it will continue until about Asia time, inshallah, there'll be food provided. And um, so inshallah, if any of you have got sort of, I mean, there might be one or two teenagers here, but mostly if any of you have got like uh, relatives, kids, whatever, who want to come along, they don't have to be part of the Back on Track program. It's open to everyone. And it's held in Al-Barsha, in the next generation school in Al-Barsha. Um, so Inshallah, you'll get more of the details on that from uh, from Facebook, Bismillah Taala. Yeah, and the last announcement on the announcements list is that Abu Musab is on his way, Inshallah, Bismillah Taala. Um, I'm going to answer some questions now because usually I don't give enough time for answering questions. So we'll try and sit until Abu Musab comes. I'd appreciate if nobody gets up and well, unless you have something really desperately urgent until Abu Musab comes because uh, it's not nice for us to be leaving when he's coming in. Allah has legislated slavery. Does this mean that slavery is something loved by Allah Azza wa The statement Allah has legislated slavery is incorrect. Uh, as a statement, it's incorrect. It needs to be qualified. Allah Azza wa has legislated slavery in particular circumstances for particular people for particular in you know with particular rules and regulations it's not correct to say that Allah has legislated slavery I have a long article which I've written on this in fact I'll bring the article up and I'll try and talk you through it since we have a little time inshallah Slavery is something which existed prior to Islam. And this included kidnapping people. Any people were kidnapped and sold into slavery. And this Allah does not love. It included capturing prisoners of war. 
it included enslaving the person in debt any if you were in debt in pre-islamic times you would be enslaved until you could pay your debt back off and the enslavement of the poor and none of these are in this sense are legislated uh, in islam islam came to abolish the enslavement of mankind and to take people from being slaves to men to being slaves to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala however there's no doubt that the circumstances at the time were complex and so Allah azza wa jal legislated a means of dealing with slavery that was beloved to him subhanahu wa ta'ala first of all abolishing all forms of illegal enslavement including kidnapping enslaving the debtor the poor and the needy the prophet sallallahu said there are three that i will be the opponent of on the day of resurrection and whomever i oppose i will defeat from them a man who sold a free man into slavery and consumed his price and this was the basis of the atlantic slave trade and we talk about slavery in the in the usa like, uh, or the atlantic what's known as the atlantic slave trade it was based on kidnapping free people from africa people who were not prisoners of war they were not captives they were not in you know in a legitimate circumstance at all rather they were kidnapped as free people and transported against their will to be slaves and this is something which islam abolished from the very first moment number two commanding that slaves should be treated according to the same standard as the person's own family and the prohibition of mistreating them the prophet ﷺ said they are your brothers whom allah has put under your authority so if allah has put a person's brother under his authority let him feed him from what he eats and clothe him from what he wears and let him not overburden him with work and if he does overburden him with work then let him help him this is what Allah loves when you see the images associated with the Atlantic slave trade it's impossible to imagine how slaves were threat in Islam and when you think about like you see people being shoved in the bottom of uh, ships and left you know half of the people die and then half of them come out alive emancipated you know their bones hanging and then made to work for the rest of their any lives for nothing and this is not what Islam did in Islam the slave is given the same status as the person's own family and you clothe them from what you clothe them with you feed them from what you feed yourself with you know you you help them out if you gave them something that is too hard for them to do you have to help them out and so on so much so that some of the companions wished that they could be slaves Abu Hurairah said if it were not for Hajj and Jihad and serving my mother I would wish that I was a slave owned by someone there are reports in Islam of slaves wishing to stay with their masters even after freedom and these freed slaves who remained attached to their masters were so numerous that they're mentioned all the way through the books of prophetic traditions if you hear Mawla Fulan and he usually and like it's like the former slave of so-and-so 
Islam made freeing slaves a major priority and among the best of good deeds. There is not a single passage of the Quran which encourages slavery and the taking of slaves. But there are many passages that encourage the freeing of slaves. For example, Allah said, uh, It is the freeing of a slave. It is the freeing of a slave or feeding on the day of severe hunger. In fact, Islam obliged the Muslims to free slaves as an expiation for several sins like manslaughter, breaking an oath, uh, intimacy during the day in Ramadan, a husband making a pronouncement his wife is forbidden to him. All of them, the, the expiation is to free the slave. Likewise, the expiation of beating a slave is to free them. And if somebody beats their slave, the Prophet said in Sahih Muslim, whoever slaps his slave or beats him, the expiation is to free him. And if you slap your slave, you have to free them. Number four, every slave is guaranteed the right to work for their freedom, even if the owner does not want them to. This is called an mukataba. Every single slave has the right to work for their freedom. So the slave simply goes to the owner and says, I wish to work for my freedom. The owner says, okay, your value is 100,000 dirhams. Your daily work value, like per day, is let's say, or per month, let's say, is uh, 5,000 dirhams a month. That's your, if you were a worker, that's what you would get paid. Okay? So once you have worked 5,000, 5,000, 5,000, until it reaches the amount of your value, you are free. And Islam obliged the owner to take the contract. He's not allowed to refuse. So every slave has the right to work for their own freedom. The slave is not prohibited from having precedence in religious matters, leading the prayer uh, and so on, only in the issue of judging. Because in judging, it may be that the slave is put under pressure by the owner to make a certain judgment. But otherwise, the slave is, in terms of the prayer, in terms of teaching people Islam, many of the slaves, there were slaves who used to lead the salah who used to lead the people in prayer, they used to lead the free people in prayer because of the, uh, the quality of their, the, the depth of their knowledge in Islam and the quality of their recitation. Several former slaves became governors of cities, including Makkah. Uh, the Prophet ﷺ married several former slaves, including Safiya, Juwayriya, radiallahu anhuma. And what is left is that Islam continued to permit enslavement of prisoners of war. Islam continued to permit the enslavement of prisoners of war. This is the only thing that Islam allowed to continue, which is the enslavement of prisoners of war, which is that when they capture the prisoner of war, the commander has three choices. He can enslave them, he can ransom them, sell them back to the, their people, and he can uh, free them for no, with no, no benefit. Yeah. Like for, he can free them for the sake of Allah. So Islam did not force any commander, any military commander to enslave prisoners of war, but it is an option that is available to the Muslims. 
And so that is something which Allah loves because of the wisdom that is in it. Why does Allah love it? Because of the wisdom that is in it. It provides a way for those people to be exposed to Islam. It provides a way for the harm to be removed from the Muslims. What happens when you ransom someone back? You ransom, okay, you get your money, but then he comes with the, the next day to fight you. You know, so it provides a way to preserve life. You know, you don't have to kill them. Otherwise, your option is kill them or ransom them. So it gives you a third option, not to kill them and not to ransom them and to allow them to benefit the Muslims like they harmed the Muslims. And so like this person was harming the Muslims by killing them, he then has to now work for several years to be able to benefit the Muslims. And so, for example, he might work planting trees or he might work, you know, farming or doing something that will benefit the Muslims. So Allah loves this and there is nothing wrong with it. And actually the problem really with this is the issue of the word slavery or enslavement, to be honest with you. Uh, it's the right word, but it has such a, because of the Atlantic slave trade, it has such a negative connotation that when you say that Islam allows the enslavement of prisoners of war, people, you know, panic. But actually when you see what that enslavement actually meant, you clothe them with what you clothe yourself with, you feed them with what you feed yourself with, you know, you, uh, they do something which benefits Islam and the Muslims instead of harming them. And this is only for the people who were seeking to harm the Muslims in the first place. And then you try to free them at every opportunity. You know, every time you raise a hand, us free them. You did something bad, free them. You did a sin, free them. You did something in Ramadan, free them. That is Islam. And that is what Allah loves. And that's the proper explanation of does Allah love uh, slavery. How do we understand the two ayat? لَيْسَ كَمِثْلِهِ شَيْءٍ and وَلَهُ الْمَثَلُ الْأَعْلَى لَيْسَ كَمِثْلِهِ شَيْءٍ We've explained many times. There is no, absolutely nothing which is comparable to him. What about this ayah? وَلَهُ الْمَثَلُ الْأَعْلَى We say this when uh, we give an example from creation to explain something about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And there's no contradiction between the two. Because وَلَهُ الْمَثَلُ الْأَعْلَى To him belongs the best uh, example. I to him belongs the example, there is no example like him. And to him belongs the example. There is no example like him. For example, I might say to you, uh, what would you do if you had a man standing at the top or on a balcony looking over you in the masjid and watching what are you doing? But to Allah belongs a totally the example. that the, What I'm saying is that that man that I'm giving you the example of, I'm giving you the example of being watched. I'm not giving you the example of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So I say, وَلِلَّهِ الْمَثَلُ الْأَعْلَى Any to Allah belongs the highest example, meaning there is nothing comparable and nothing similar to Allah azza wa But we often say this when we illustrate 
we try to explain something about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala using an example from uh, His creation. That is not to compare Allah to His creation. But to give you an example you can understand. For example, say like, how would you behave if someone was stood watching you now? Like, how would you behave at work if your boss was stood on a balcony right over your desk, like watching with a camera over everything that you do? But to Allah belongs a much higher example than that. And either that example I gave you is an example of and that example that I gave you is an example, which is an example of a human being. It's not an example of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. To Allah belongs the highest example. Let me see how we are doing. Okay, let me see if we have any questions from the sister's side. Yeah, we have some questions. Please can you explain the correct way of thinking regarding the Christian statement that humans are created in Allah's resemblance. We're going to come to this in Al-Aqid Al-Wasatiyah, inshallah. We will come to this in, in proper detail. Someone with an atheist inclination said, what's the point of this world if Allah knows the outcome of every slave? We'll, we'll come to this, ta'ala. these two we will come to. All of these questions got a bit more difficult, so we'll come to them, but Abu Mus'ab is here, so inshallah, uh, I'm going to hand over to him, ta'ala. I have like four questions, inshallah, I've saved them, ta'ala, uh, for, uh, for next time, inshallah, we'll try and stop a little early and we'll try and finish them, because they're all ones that will take me like 15-20 minutes to answer each, so they're a little bit complicated. And Allah knows best, wa salatu wa salam ala Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in.